good news. Uh, I hope that's what I'm doing. Well, it's always good to have two or three gathered together. <laughs> Got our sister Norma with us today, and other people will be watching at home. So I'm just going to wait a wait a minute here for some people to get on. Hi, Pierre. I hope I pronounced your name correctly. Pierre Malin. <clears throat> Hi, Greg and Barbara. Good morning. Good morning, Sue Nickel. I've been saving your seat for a long time, Sue. I'm about to give it up to somebody else if you don't start coming here every once in a while. Huh? Oh, yeah, there's a line out the door waiting for your seat. So <laughs> that's what Norma said. Hey, George. Good morning. Good morning, Car Carita. From very hot Southern California. All right, we're we're going to go ahead and start. So I appreciate all of you being here today. Uh, I'm always honored to to be able to minister uh, truth uh, as I see it, and I pray that I'm ministering always ministering truth. I want the truth that Father is revealing to us. There's a lot of people that have different truths, and if there's five or six of us that have different truths, then Somebody doesn't have the truth, you know, because there is only one truth. There's only one truth that'll make you free. So we're seeking that, and I'm trying to understand that and teach that in this book on uh, the spiritual uh, symbology and code of the living word. And so what I'm teaching today, I'm finishing up this first book that I'm writing on this. I'll do start a second volume next week, or actually a week after next. So we won't be here next week. We're going to be in Branson, Missouri celebrating our 50th anniversary so don't write happy anniversary because we've been celebrating it for a month and everybody's already done that already every time i say that i start getting another 100 happy anniversaries but uh we won't be here next sunday and uh, teaching but you'll have Kay fairchild and other ministers to go to and listen to them uh i i announced another drawing for uh, our my, our books and i i, I think y'all are enjoying it i've seen a lot of people make comments but uh, yesterday, or I think it was Friday, that I announced that anybody that made a contact uh, comment on my posts would be in a drawing for two, uh, volume one, volume two, living out of our spiritual resources. And so I had Donna draw it today. She picked her birth, her age. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but she picked her age. And so the winner was uh, winner was Wendy Holder King, and I've known Wendy for a while on Facebook. So. I called her this morning. She was excited, and I'm excited to send that to her. So I hope y'all are enjoying me do that. I was telling Donna I might start doing one of these things. The first caller wins, or or whatever. So, but um, you know, I received many questions about transformation. We've been talking about regeneration in this in this teaching uh, for the last few weeks, and to me, it's almost like the same thing as transformation. And uh, people want to know really what we need to do to transform or. You know, what is the transformation process? And there is a, prof a process to it. And first and foremost, we're not transforming into something that we're not. We're transforming into who we are. We already are. And so it's all about an awareness because we, we have thought 
uh, we have everybody has a different opinion of who they are and they base it on their uh, physical life if you w would their birth parents where they live their color their skin their denomination the list can go on political persuasion or whatever so you know if you if you ask me and i'm thinking carly i could say well i'm a richmond and i'm a i'm an oklahoma city uh oklahoman i could say i'm an oklahoman I, i'm an ou fan oklahoma university I'm, I grew up as a uh, Pentecostal holiness and I was non-denominational and now I'm a believer and uh, I'm an American, I'm a Republican and the list can go on and on, but that's not who we are. Those are things that we're involved in or that's where we were born or whatever, but it's not who we are. So we want to be transformed to who we are and that's why uh, we were told, Paul said, you know, because everything he taught in the first few chapters of uh, Romans explaining what man had done and who God is and all that. Then he said, now, because of this, don't be conformed to this old way of living. And I don't think we were taught that very, uh, very well when we came to church. You know, they told us to quit sinning. They told, well, that was part of the old way of living. That was the law. And so we were still conforming to a do-to-be or a law, and the law kills, steals, and destroys. It robs you of life. And so they asked that question. And so my first answer I give people is our mind and body needs, does not need to be transformed. Our, wellness, our awareness needs to be transformed. What we know, what we understand, and what we believe. So it's our beliefs. And it's what's in our subconsciousness. It's what we are constantly thinking about all the time. Uh, Norma was talking about how, you know, some of her friends, and we all have this, people are afraid today and they're dwelling on the fear. There's, uh, if you're on Facebook, which you guys are, and if you use Messenger, I'm average, I bet I get 10 to 15 or 20 videos sent to me every day. You've got to watch this, you've got to watch this. Most of them, it's the same ones I keep getting sent. But I don't have to watch it. It produces fear, you know? And I've asked people, and if you're, if you're one that does it, I know most of you aren't, but please don't forward those things to me. Messenger is just for us having private conversations that we don't want to put on Facebook. But it has produced a fear, and people's minds are not staying in contact with Father. People's minds are their, I don't like to say minds because we only have one mind, and it's our God mind, but our conscious awareness is on what's going on out there in the world, and it's hard not to because it's everywhere you go. You can't turn the television on without it. You can't see a commercial without it. You can't watch a movie that Hollywood hasn't infiltrated racism in it and everything else. They're digging out every movie there is to stir up racism. And it's really sad. So we've got to stop this. So Paul wrote to the Romans and he instructed them to uh, be transformed from that old, worn out way of life, that old, worn out way of thinking, that old, worn out belief system by the renewing mind. And you hear me say it all the time, but it's a simple answer. We must lean to our God mind, our, our what people call the mind of Christ. I say the mind that's in contact with our Father. And the transformation or regeneration is the result of making of and acting on uh, the fact that I exist. I exist as God. Over and over and over, I find places where it says you shall be, where it actually says exist, you exist. So I want to major on the fact that I exist a son of God. You exist, you ladies in here, a daughter of God. And if we are son of God and daughter of God, we have no lacks whatsoever. And everybody is, but not everybody is aware of that. 
And so we want to make spiritual affirmations of this divine love, of the divine wisdom that's inside of us, the, the substance of life that we have. There is a substance that belongs to us, and it's God. It's the very substance of God that's inside of us. And so no, no matter what comes against a person, they can say, so I am loved to my father, and I am father's kinship. When you translate scripture, it talks about that. I'm father's kinship. And you also can say, I love myself. And it's important to love yourself. And so when you say, well, the, you know, you, you hear where well, the world's coming against me or whatever problem it is, I have anxiety, anxiety, I have uh, depression, I have whatever, well, then you need to stop yourself and say, so I am loved by my father. I am father's kinship and I love myself. One of the last courses I took in Global Grace Seminary for the, the master's degree in biblical counseling, uh, Cecil Cockerham was talking about tapping. And I'd heard about that before, but there are meridians in your body that energy flows through and they get stopped up. Science has proven that. And so they will teach, like if you have a problem in a certain place, you know, you can, you can sit there and you tap on that meridian right there under your chin. And as you're tapping on it, he uses biblical affirmations. I am loved by, by my father. I have divine health in me. And those are affirmations. And it's good to do that anyways, because you're reminding yourself that that tapping releases those, those meridians in there. And so we can, we can do that. And we can, what it helps you to do is helps you to focus on the truth and, and, and put down what we're hearing constantly on the news media and all over internet that's really robbing us of life. And it's producing a lot of fear. You know, there, there was a group of people the other day talking about all of this and it was just fear, right? Everywhere you can go, you can hear different groups of people doing that. So regeneration is, re, is the result of us letting go of the false thoughts. Letting go. We have a choice in regeneration. And if we don't let go of that, and that's what counselors try to do, and psychologists try to do when they have people come to them, is to help them to let go of a lot of things that they're, they're holding on to. You know, I don't believe in going into a past of somebody, but if they're holding on to that past, then yes, we probably need to talk about it and say, yes, that happened, but do you have to let it control you 50, 60, 70 years later? And the reason you do is because it controls you. I mean, and, 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 you, and like Dr. Phil says, you get something out of it and you think that's the way your life's always going to be and it's not necessarily going to be that way. So what we want to do is we let go of these th thoughts we allow our conscious awareness to be cleansed and our subconsciousness to be cleansed of all those fearful thoughts. And we do that again by affirming real spiritual understandings. And that restores us to live with our single eye wide open. Most of our lives, all of us have lived with our single eye shut, right? We didn't know that we had a, a, a really had a mind of Christ. We thought Jesus lived inside of us. But we used to tell our children for years when they went to school, remember you have the mind of Christ, remember you have the mind of Christ, not really knowing what it was. But it was a really good thing to affirm to them constantly. That we did it so much that one day my, my five or six year old daughter got out of the car and said, I know, I have the mind of Christ. <laughs> you know? I can do all things. Yes, we can. So, in, like that when <laughs> so in Mark... Uh, 726, and I'm just going to paraphrase these stories. I'm not going to go there and read them. You can do it later on. Mark 726, we find a Greek-speaking woman who was a Seraphonician by her nation. 
And she came to Jesus and asked him to heal her daughter of a mental illness. And of course, the King James said she was demon possessed, you know, because they want to enforce that. But Jesus quickly brought her back to her right mind. That only takes place in two sentences. And I mean, I'm sure there could have been more to it, but he did it, you know, because that's all he could do for people at that time is they wanted to be healed of something or they wanted bread or they wanted money or whatever. So Jesus quickly brought her back to her right mind. And the Seraphonician woman signifies the intuitive perception of truth entering into her left brain uh, from her right brain. Her left brain, which is your, your, it's not influenced so much by spirit, but she's allowing the spirit of truth to enter into that. And she realizes Jesus can do something. She realizes she's standing in the presence of one who lives out of the truth and functions out of the truth. So hence what's happened is she's learning, uh, leaning to her intellect of her God mind. When you lean to the intellect of the God mind, then you, first of all, you can stop and you can receive. You, you can, because Jesus always said, your faith has made you whole. Your, whatever they want him, him to do, he would say, your faith. And as I pointed out with a woman with the issue of blood, she tapped into his God life. And her God life and his God life tapped together and a mighty explosion took place. And what men couldn't do, that tapping in did it. And so... The Ser in the Greek, the, Seraph uh, the Syrian Phoenicia, which is where those two words come from, means heights of Phoenicia. It means high palms. It means rising up of the phoenix. It means high redness and high purple. That's what those names mean. So purple combines the, the calm stability of blue and the fierceness of the energy of red. And we know all these colors have great meaning. But the color purple is often associated with royalty and nobility and luxury and power and ambition. And then purple also is associated with spirituality. It's, 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 uh, it's the sacred where Jesus said all are sacred. The word all are holy actually means sacred or all are called means holy and it means sacred. So uh, it means sacred. It means higher self, which would be our God mind, right? Or people say our spirit. It means passion. It means third eye, it means fulfillment, and it means vitality. All those meanings are in that. And then red symbolizes fire, which what, what would fire represent? As my word is a fire or also Holy Spirit, either way. And so this woman's daughter, who was mentally ill, symbolizes one who has strong affections for mixed thoughts. Mixed thoughts. You ever had a mental problem before? <laughs> Maybe it's stress or, or all of a sudden your head's just going all different directions and you have all kinds of thoughts and you don't know what to do with them. You know, I remember one time I was given some pretty strong opioids after surgery and my thoughts were just going crazy. I thought I was going crazy and I couldn't sleep. You know, my, when I go to sleep, my thoughts was just going every direction in the world. Huh? You can't focus. You can't focus. And so this comes from a strong affection of mixed thoughts from family struggles Family struggles can cause forms of mental illness, depression, anxiety, or whatever, uh, fear. And those thoughts produced a mental illness in her. And so these are what we find that is the end result of living as carnal. Living as carnal. And uh, when it said she was vexed of a devil or she was demon-possessed or whatever, 
when I looked it up, I knew what it was going to say anyways. It said Damion, it said a supernatural spirit of a bad character. So I say this again, we are all supernatural spirit. We are all supernatural holy breath. We are all supernatural son of God. But when you don't know who you are, or you are raised in a family that doesn't know who you are, and all those things produces a character that does not represent who you really are. And we never function supernaturally because we thought we're just mere humans, right? And so sometimes people that are supernatural spirit, which we all are, and they live as carnal, sometimes they never get sick. Sometimes they don't get diseases, but they experience poverty. They experience bad relationships. It can be, it can be affected in all forms of life. They live their life, their whole family is poor and always has been poor. And that gets passed down from generation after generation. And then some of them, it comes in a full manifestation of mental illness. And mental illness, many of those mental illnesses stems from a physical problem. Uh, Donna's sister suffered being a bipolar. Well, that's a problem in the brain that it doesn't produce, produce enough lithium. And so they had to give her lithium to calm her down. But it can sometimes cause permanent illness and it needs somebody that knows what they're doing to come minister to them and release life into them and bring healing to them because I believe in healing. I really do. You need to be healed before you can experience permanence of life. So I do believe in healing and I do believe in miracles. I've seen miracles and I know miracles take place, but those aren't the best. The best is just never needed. The best is to live out of who we are. And that's what Father wants for us. So uh, these things get passed down from generation to generation. And when Jesus came and was ministering to people, he had to deal with all those different things. People have been sick of the palsy, which means they were paralyzed. A lot of people were mentally ill, you know, and we can go into societies today. Can we not find mentally ill people everywhere? Mm -hmm. You can go right downtown Oklahoma City and the streets are full and they're not demon possessed. They're mentally ill and mentally ill people can do all kinds of horrible things. And people that we don't think are mentally ill can do all kinds of horrible things. We say, how can a person rape a child or kidnap a child or how can a person murder somebody or because they're in one way or another they're mentally ill and they can present themselves as fine until they crack they're possessed by evil thoughts that aren't that don't belong to them that's right mm -hmm. by thoughts that don't belong to them so that's why paul said and and all this is the fruition of it paul said all are weak the king james version uses the word many but it says all all are weak, all are sick, and all died needlessly for not knowing who they are as a son or daughter, a son or a daughter of God. And the word discern means dissect. If I'm dissecting something, my my uh, 13-year-old grandson is so excited, next semester he gets to dissect a sheep's brain. <laughs> he's so excited. But he's going to look inside there, and what's he going to do? He's going to see what's in there, right? He's going to see the source of, and all that. And so we don't know who we are because we never look inside. We never let the Spirit of God draw us in and see that every part of our being is the divine nature of God. And it's active and it wants to flow. It wants it, capital it, wants to move and live and have its being in us. And we live and move and have our being out of that source within inside of us. And that source is our Father. So in one's regeneration, those thoughts... Those beliefs and desires are eliminated. They're brought to naught. They're melted away by hearing and believing and seeing the truth. You got to hear first. 
then you believe, and then you see, right? I'm always reminded of Mary when she was told that she was, she was pregnant, and this child that you're going to give birth to is, you need to protect him, you need to keep him away from, from uh, uh, religious teaching, his name will be Jesus, you know, and I've already talked about the, the, the Isaiah prophecy, Emmanuel wasn't talking about Jesus. He was talking about a young woman that gave birth back then as a sign that God's for them and God's going to help them and they're going to win their battle. That's what that, but it said his name will be Jesus. And he was the Jews Messiah. He was there to deliver them from the religious bondage, deliver all mankind from the mistaken identity, right? And correct that. He wasn't there to set up a kingdom. He wasn't there to, to be their king at that time. And he wasn't there to be their Santa Claus either. But that, that's how we treated Jesus. Christianity, Western Christianity and Catholicism. Every, every religion that believes in any form of Christianity, they treated, they, we treat Jesus like a Santa Claus or a schizophrenic God. That one day he'll heal me and the other day he doesn't. And I don't know why there must be something wrong with me. And it keeps you feeling self-condemned. Ma'am, we all did it. Every one of us did it. And so when all that melts away, and, and the truth is, we, I can speak for us at Tree of Life. I, I, can, I can actually speak for Kay's two congregations in Fort Wayne and in Portland, uh, in Indiana. The majority of people that stayed with us and have listened to us over the years, we have really put down a lot of false beliefs. And we have... Uh, we have but the way we did it is we received the truth. You don't have to put them down before you can hear the truth. The truth is what puts it down. You know, the first time I heard that there was no uh, entity that brought Christmas presents to me all the time, then I realized the truth. It was my mom and dad that did it. You know, so I'm not crying because I, I sent them a letter. Why didn't I get what I want? And see, that's what we've done with God. That's what we've done with Jesus is we thought we could send God a letter by praying and then we expect God to do something for us. And I say this all the time. God doesn't do anything for you. It's already done. What Father does by his spirit is he speaks to us and he draws us up higher. And he says, don't you know who you are? You know, when I prayed and asked for food, I should have been able to hear you already have what you need. The reason you don't have it is because you think you don't have it. And you live, in a, you live in a need conscious all the time. And when you live in a need conscious, then you're anti-contact with God. You're, you, if you would stay in contact with your source, you would lack nothing, right? And even in sickness and disease, I say we need to meditate more. We need to mutter the words out. Part of meditation is muttering the truth and speaking the truth and rehearsing the truth. And, and continue practicing staying in contact with our Father 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That doesn't mean I don't do my work, or but I, I'm always listening. I'm always in tune with Father. I want to hear that voice that says, this is the way walk you in it. And I love hearing the voice of our Father. And so that's what happens then is all this is brought to naught and our victory in our mental and physical divine health is realized through this renewed vitality and the power of our holy breath, our spirit, if people want to say, or the God mind or the right mind. And so when I say here that it is realized, it's because we already have it. We're not doing anything trying to get something. What we're doing is trying to wake us up to the fact that we do have it. I already am who my father says I am. And I know you guys get tired of hearing my old stories all the time, but 
When I worked for Ball Mills Furniture, I was hired as the general manager. The first month or so, I wasn't comfortable with that. I was afraid to make decisions. I was afraid to tell people, no, we can't replace your recliner, or yes, we'll give you a brand new recliner. And I was very, it was hard for me. And I remember standing in the corner of the store one day all by myself, just, I think I made a mistake. I, I don't think I'm qualified for this. And Bob Mills sensed it, he took me into his office and said, Roy, I want you to understand something. When I hired you, I hired you because I know you have the ability to do this. And you need to understand, I have given you full authority to make any decision you want in this store. And, and he, he really encouraged me. And he said, if you want to tell somebody you can have a new sofa, do it. Or if you say, no, you can't because you've abused it and we didn't, it's, it's still a good product and you've set the recliner wrong and you destroyed it, then you have the authority. And if you make a mistake, you and I'll talk about it. And what did he do? He empowered me then to go forth and be who I am. And see, that's what Father's doing with us. He, he, he told us, I've given you, I've told you to take dominion over this earth, that you're not take excuse me, but you have dominion over this earth. You are masters over this earth. I've told you that you can do all things through the contact with me that strengthens you. Not Christ that strengthens you, but the contact with me. Do it. You know, and guess what? If we make a mistake, we have an advocate, which is our father, our spirit that will say, hey, you, you went a little too far this way or, you know, maybe you did it. You, if we listen, we receive direction that keeps us on that right path. Isn't that good? Mm -hmm. And I believe that we all need to understand that. So, hi, Robin. Uh, I often say once one has tasted, believed and seen the real goodness of our Father from the foundation of the world, that person will never depart. I, and I, I say this all, I don't understand how people can even hear, even hear what Brother Garner taught us and then go back, that people have. Because they long for the past, they long for the old, they long for the signs and the wonders, they long for the excitement and the, and the feelings. But see, that's all sensual stuff. Yes, it felt good. It felt good to stand up in front and cry and pray and, and intercede for people and rebuke the devil and all the stuff that we did, but it's just sensual things and it never brought permanence. And I always say, how many times could we kill the devil, a devil? You know, it's like every week there's time to kill the devil again, you know. And so Father wants us to, 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 to rise up and, and understand and stay in what he's teaching us because the enduring temple of God is built out of breath, out of Holy Spirit. When God created man, he breathed his breath into man and God's breath is enduring and we never lose it. And it make, it's, it's solid and it's the, the one and only cause of all things. And so it must not be built on sand. Because what's sand? It's just, we, it doesn't say sinking sand in scripture, but basically it's sinking sand. And uh, I was thinking about this last night. What, what is sand made of? Pieces of rock, right? Pieces in the ocean. It's pieces of shells and things like that. It's, it's pieces of old stuff, if you would. Because it doesn't stick together. It, well, it doesn't stick together. That's right. That's a good point, too. I need to add this in my note. Write that down for me somewhere. I need to add that in my book. Because the, the revelation Jesus said he would build us up on was the rock of revelation that he came to preach and that he came to explain. And what's interesting to me, humanity is taken because he said upon this rock. 
And when you look that word rock up, it, I forget the word that it means, but it's a big rock. It's a massive rock. And Jesus told Peter that he was Petra. And when you look at Petra, it says a piece of the rock. So Peter was a piece of what God was going to do, but he wasn't all of it. Huh? Does it mean foundation? No, it means, it means a piece of the rock. A piece of the rock, not foundation. That's why they named their churches on Peter. They thought, they thought that God was building his church upon Peter. And that's why the Catholic Church has all those St. Peter and, and all that stuff. But no, you look it up and it says a piece of the rock. And then when you look up this rock of revelation, which was Jesus was revealing, was a, a massive rock. And so what happened then, humanity has taken that rock of revelation and caused it to turn into little bitty pieces. Have broken it up, if you would. This revelation that Jesus came to reveal. And then we have the first church, the second church, the third church. I, my brother Hibbert used to call them the first church of the Frigidaire. We have Baptist, Lutheran, Methodist. We have uh, Islam. We have Pentecost. We have Catholic. The list can go on and on and on. And every person has a piece of truth. Right? But what happens when you mix their butt to it, then it's, it leavens the whole lump. Every bit of it. And so to me, this really speaks of this. They're called denominations. They're called doctrines of men. And they're all sinking sand. And if you stand on them, you're going to sink. Right? We don't want to just be a piece of the truth. I want the whole truth and nothing but the truth. When you go to court and you put your hand on the Bible, or a lot of people put their hands on the Koran now and other stuff in America, uh, you're swearing to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth. But many times people just give a piece of the truth because most people don't know the whole truth of a matter. It's the truth as they know it. Right, it's the truth as they know it. And so that's why we have a Bible that's filled with the truth that those people knew at that time. Moses and Abraham and, you know, finally the, some of the prophets and finally David begin to question their theology because they knew they only had a piece of the truth. So in John 19, 23 and 24, there were soldiers... Hey, Butch, there's Linda Musgrove. Glad you're here. Uh, there were soldiers who took Jesus's garment and they were going to divide it into four parts to give a piece to each of them. You know, and you sit there, well, why did they write that down? Why does that matter to us? Well, everything matters. Everything matters. John, uh, uh, John 19, 23, 24. And they were going to divide it up for each one of them. And interesting, John wrote the detail of how the coat was made. And he wrote, now the coat was without seam woven from the top throughout. Well, what does that matter? <laughs> you know, a lot of people. But see, I researched what the coat would symbolize. And I discovered the seamless coat symbolizes a consciousness of permanent, permanent unity of life and substance in the whole man. It, there was no... Nothing was sewn together. It was just one piece of fabric. And so, again, it symbolized a consciousness of permanent unity of life with Father and substance in the whole man. What is the substance? It's our life-giving spirit, if you would. It's our God substance that's in man. And so we find regeneration. We find forms of a new awareness releasing to our body, sustaining our body. Our body is already whole. Our body was created perfectly, but there needs to be a, a sustaining going on. And that means our brain needs to be functioning properly. And so if we're not leaning to our source, which is our God mind, 
then sometimes that, that gets cut off and then again, sickness takes place and a lack of vitamins, a lack of whatever. You know, I've been told that if my body, uh, the water, if my body doesn't have the proper alkalinity, then you can have cancer and all kinds of things like that. And so this is really awesome to me. So we find regeneration forms that awareness. It releases, and we talk about these meridians that are in our body, nerve, nerve meridians that allow energy to flow. And when they're blocked off, there's a lot of problem with it. I don't know what it is about my right arm, but at night I wake up, and because I raise my arm up to sleep sometimes because of my shoulder, I pinch a nerve somewhere. And when I wake up, it's not just numb, but from my elbow to my fingers is dead. I mean, it feels like somebody cut my arm off. And I realize I have pinched a nerve, and so in doing so, I blocked a, 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 source, a force. Huh? The blood flow. Yeah, the blood flow and the source from going through there. And so this is a real spiritual picture to us that we need to release by the faith of God. Not my faith, but by the faith of God. I have source in, inside of me, and source is God. One guy said that, that I was reading in an old book, he was, talking about, he was talking about how Jesus was talking about God or talking about source, and he named it Father. You know, because we know Father God is breath. Father God does not have a physical body except for us, right? In us. And so uh, the new consciousness that we can live out of is powered by our God mind or as K. Fairchild's teaching, the right mind. And again, I encourage people, if you're not listening to that series, you really should. It's a long one. It's a, she's been teaching the, the, the um, mind-brain connection, I think somewhere around probably almost 90 different videos on it, and it's powerful. It's very powerful. And so we are used by our holy breath. We don't use our holy breath, right? That's real important because a currently mindful people that taps into their supernaturalness sometimes will use that power for carnal reasons. And we don't do that. We, we are used by holy breath to, to bless the world. How do we know when to function? We listen to the voice of spirit that says, this is the way, walk you in it. And that can be, you see somebody and you're attracted to them and you can't keep your mind off of them and you feel like you need to say something to them. You feel like you need to maybe walk up and say, I don't, I, I heard in my spirit to hand you a $10 bill, whatever it is. Are you here? I wonder how Norma's doing. Well, that usually means you need to call Norma. Or I wonder how somebody else is doing. And there's all kinds of ways that spirit uses us if we will allow the spirit, our spirit to use us. Our problem is, is we say too often, I don't have time, I'm busy, you know, I don't like, I don't like going seeing people, whatever it is, you know, whatever the list is. And we must not stop that because then we stop the flow of spirit through us. And if the flow of spirit is not flowing through you, the, the breath of God, then you're a miserable person and you're all about yourself. I say this very much and I believe it. I believe the answer for depression, unless it's a clinical depression that's caused something by some, but somebody just sitting around and they begin to get depressed is do something for somebody. Get up and do something for somebody and quit worrying about yourself all the time. Uh, I'm the vice president of our homeowners association and me and my president, we talk about this all the time. Since the coronavirus and people stand home, we have got more complaints from our, our homeowners 
than any time before. It's been a nightmare. And I take care of the biggest part of them. But they're complaining about people putting flagpoles up. One of them complained the other day about my beautiful, uh, expensive white fence. Why does he have a white fence when the rest of us have this fence? And they're complaining. I mean, the, it, it's just crazy. And it's a group of people that get on what's called Nextdoor app. And it's just nonstop because they're just sitting at home thinking about themselves. Yeah, and they're not doing anything to bless other people. And it happens in churches yes. all over the place. Pastors don't suffer spiritual burnout. They suffer carnal burnout because they're always having to deal with carnal problems. You know, so that's a, that's a trail I need to come back this way on. <laughs> but I firmly believe, and I've said this before, I believe Jesus stayed in his regenerated state. I believe he never left that state. He never left contact with God. He never became currently mindful whatsoever. Not even on the cross? Not even on the cross. He couldn't have functioned the way he was supposed to. If he no way he could have. He, he, he took that confusion, if you would, into himself by telling us that we're not sinners. We're not under the law of sin and death. We're not under the Mosaic law. He bore our, our confusion, yes, but I don't, I don't believe that he ever left that state whatsoever, except for maybe that he was willing to f for us. I, I'm not going to say I absolutely that it didn't happen. But I'm talking about in his 33 and a half year earth walk, he never left it. He always stayed in contact with God. How could he say, I never do what I don't see the Father do? How could I, and I don't ever say what I don't hear the Father say. How could he unless he stayed in contact? He did stay in contact. And I believed he raised his body from the grave that the Jews and the Romans put him in. He resurrected himself and, and uh, he transformed his body and he lives today in the cool of the day in total spirit awareness, just like we should be because we live in the cool of the day. We just don't know it. We may not be aware. Our awareness may still be in the dust realm, but we can rise up and live above all that's going on in this earth and live and even if america suffers some tremendous problems we can live and 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 our knowledge of who we are and knowing who we are and our constant contact with our source will we won't go under i believe that with all my heart in the midst of the storm in the midst of the storm, the storm. <laughs> just like the disciples they had they had a man and the boat with them that was in constant contact with god constant that walked above the storms of life that nobody can hinder him he had peace and he had perfection and yet they're scared to death of a storm you know and that's because their eyes were always down and they were always looking for what jesus could do for them not listening to what he tried to say you can do you can do all things by staying in contact with god isn't that better than saying christ in you that didn't make sense to me you can do all things through christ in you well, always waiting for him to do something. I know we were always waiting for Jesus. We thought it was Jesus that was going to enable us to do it, but it's God. It's God's source. Okay, Jesus, so you, if, you, if you're not in contact with your father, then you won't live as supernatural, right? right. <clears throat> I also believe that Jesus can project his body to appear anywhere he needs it to. And I believe there's other people on planet Earth that have tapped into their, the, the, the constant contact with father. And it's, it's been shown many times in history. So while the work of generation is going on, what happens then is many old ideas are eliminated. 
And we still probably have some ideas or idols, if you would, that need to be eliminated. And we must let that go. We must say, we must allow the Father to show us things that are hindering us. And probably when I teach the word to you and you hear the word, you hear those things. You recognize those things that are still your hindrance. Like my ice cream. I don't want to let it go. <laughs> I need to let it go because I struggle with this belly. You know, but I, there are some things we still want to hang on to. And then also there are things that we go to for our peace. Our, the word really means perfection. To make us better, to make us feel better. And the Bible says he is our perfection. God. God Almighty is our perfection. God created is perfect and holy. And yes, Father God is our peace. So in the epistle of Colossians, Chapter 4, 14, we find a man by the name of Demas, D-E-M-A-S. I never thought of him too much. Doesn't tell a lot about him. It's only in three places. But he was with Paul when he wrote uh, the letter to the church at Colossae. And later on in 2 Timothy 4, 10, we find Demas having loved the present world, forsook Paul. And he left Paul. And who was Paul at that time? Paul was a comforter messenger. He was a master comforter messenger but this man left Paul and took off to Thessalonica and and Demas's name means popular of the people popular of the people his love for the material world separate separated him from the consciousness of truth Paul represents the consciousness of truth he was given the truth but he wanted popularity uh, he wanted you could say I want my own ministry or whatever and he took off so Demas's thoughts in a person that believes in the material world as the source of happiness. They believe in the material world as a source of well-being cannot follow us in our regeneration. If we still worry about finances and we still are, we still are more interested in the material world like uh, if I can just get this new car I'm going to be happier or this new home or if I can get this wonderful husband or this wonderful wife or whatever, I'm going to be happy. That's the material world. And that cannot come into regeneration because you won't let go of what you need to be freed from. So the development of our conscious awareness of waxing strong in spirit, remember I've talked about that in this book, uh, John the Baptist and Jesus, both it was said of them that they grew in wisdom and knowledge and they waxed strong and function out of their holy breath. That didn't mean their spirit grew because your spirit doesn't have to grow, but we have to wax strong in listening to our, excuse me, our spirit, our holy breath. And so that can't happen when we think the world is our source of happiness. You know, if I could just win the lottery, I'll be happy. No, watch the people that win lottery. If that was their source. Now, if, if your source was father and you were a giver and you love to be a blessing and you won the lottery, then that's going to that's gonna to enlarge your true character. But if you're not a giver, then you won't be a giver later on. I could write a list of people that's called and asked me to pray that their invention would be discovered or something would happen and I'll start tithing to you. And that was back when I taught tithing. And I would say, well, let me ask you a question. Are you tithing on what you make now? No, I can't afford to. You won't be able to do it then either because it's a frame of, of, of your conscious awareness that does that. 
So we want to wax strong in spirit. We want, I want to be strong in living out of my holy breath. I want to be strong in teaching and declaring and proclaiming the truth of the word of God. And that's what Jesus did and that's what John did. And so if Jesus had loved the popularity he had with the people because he was very popular, wasn't he? I mean, huge crowds were following him. And that time he got out of the boat, they would almost pushed him back out in the sea. If Jesus had loved that and followed that, then he would not enter into the judgment of the Pharisees. He would still be here and people would have to get to Jesus for everything because we would never really know to go to the Father. That we are, that Father is our source and we are one with Father. And family, that's what religiosity does. Religiosity teaches you to, 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 to worship Jesus, to, to depend on Jesus and to ask. I hear people all the time saying, well, I prayed to Jesus and I asked Jesus and when is Jesus going to do something? All the time because they've been taught to make an idol out of Jesus rather than follow his ideal that he taught. Jesus never, I've said this many times, that he never wanted us to bow down and pray to him ever. He wanted us to ascertain and seek and desire to know the Father. He was here to show us the Father. Didn't he say that? I'm here to show you the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That was his purpose. So, uh, Love of popularity, love of the cosmos world, and the widespread false beliefs about life causes one to fall short of the truthful living word and to not understand that. Most people, they have this false belief that life is very short. You hear it all the time. And uh, it's, you know, normal to start dying about 60. You know, it used to be 80 or 90 now, 60, 70 well, they lived a long life, you know, and this young generation, these little whippersnappers out there think that 60 is really old. <laughs> so let's go a little different place where I said I was going to on Facebook. If you have heard the Christmas story, you've heard of a ruler in Judea by the name of Herod, right? Well, you hear it all the time, the Christmas story. His name means spring uh, from a hero son of a hero, hero born, and hero. I think that's kind of interesting. The spiritual meaning of his name is the ruling will of the left brain, the ego and the sense consciousness, if you would. A ruling ego is temporal because it does not understand man's exact origin. It does not understand the spiritual law of man's being, who they are. Ego is all about me, myself, and I, right? Herod was afraid. He had heard that there's a king going to be born, right? And he wanted that king killed and murdered. And so under its rule of ego, man does not fulfill the spiritual law of being because his senses are ruled by his ego rather than by his holy breath. You know, there have been a couple of times in my life where my ego was really strong. And the ladies in here are smiling at me. <laughs> no. But when your ego, when ego is in control of you, unrestrained ego, it's terrible. And you're never happy. And you also can feel alone. You know, I've talked to some people this week that have told me how they feel alone. They feel like they've lost everything they have. They lost ministry and on and on. And there are, but they're not alone. God, God, the God of the universe lives in them. 
and they have the God mind. And God is talking, but they're not listening because they're so busy listening to their, their ego. Right? And it's very sad. So, uh, ego, me, myself, and I becomes narrow, narrow-mindedness, becomes jealous, and becomes destructive. And it will cause you to go to all other ways for peace except for your father. And in that way, there's a way that seems right to man whose breath is in his nostrils, whose understanding comes in his five sense realm, and that way is destruction. It's not talking about hell. It's talking about in this life, you live a life of destruction. Nothing ever seems to work out. Always got problems going on all the time. Can't keep my job. Nobody, nobody wants to hear what I have to say in ministry. The list goes on and on and on, and you end up in depression. And you can just keep on going down that well until you finally hit bottom. Some people have to hit the bottom before they wake up and look up and say, my redemption is higher. My life that I'm seeking, it's, it's in a higher place. It's in a higher awareness. So they should be willing to give up everything else to attain it. Once, like I said before, once you've tasted and seen the goodness of God, then why would we hang on to the past? Why would we hang on to that which hinders us? I'm sorry I don't look at the, of the camera enough. <laughs> I need to look at these people out here more. But uh, so it would seem that when you, when, you, when you know the glory of God, that you, you've had what I call concubine experiences, if you were, would. If I were a concubine, if I were female, and I was a concubine, and I, I loved the king, I, I loved whoever I was the concubine, and every once in a while I'd have a relationship with them, because concubine has to wait for their turn, right? I don't know, I've never been one, but they have to wait for, but if I, in that relationship was glorious, I, I, I was allowed to stay a weekend in his chamber and, and they fed me the good food and the king was a great lover and he treated me wonderful, then I would think you would desire that more and more and more. And next time you got to see him, you would try to get to this place where he realizes, I don't want anybody else but you, right? And so we have in the church world a concubine experience. They're called revivals. They're called praying through. They're called, oh my gosh, it was a wonderful worship service and the preacher didn't even get to preach. <laughs> I never liked that one. It was so good that Roy didn't even get to preach, you know. But those were temporal things that, and you always had to go back for more and more. Well, why not seek the constant glory that comes from a supernatural nature that you have and seek that inner illumination where you have it permanently? I don't want just a touch from God. I want to realize that I am God embodied. I'm not God, but I, I am. I exist. That's what the word exist means. I exist as God. There's a lot of people out there saying, I am God, or we are God. And I don't put them down, but you need to look and see where, what the word I am means. It says, I exist. So I exist as God. I am not the one and only God. I exist as God. So they should be willing to give up everything to attain it. But you know what? It's not so. The man who lives in his appetites and his passions and in the outward realm and experiences, they don't want anything but the carnal consciousness. They don't want anything but experiences every once in a while. And how you notice is they always talk about an experience they had last time they went to church. Or I remember, man, you remember that revival? Or you remember this time? Or you remember that time? 
people spend their whole life based on one particular experience. And it's okay to remember the day you woke up. But you woke up for some reason, not just to remember that day you woke up. And too many people do that. People write books on it, if you would. So when this is in domination, he seeks the things of the world. The carnally mindful man, the egotistical man. He says, I have plenty of money in the bank. I can get along all right. Uh, you can take your religion. I know nothing about hereafter. I, I know nothing about another world, but I do know that if I have plenty of money, I get anything I want. I'm fine. That's Herod. That's that Herod mentality. He's the ruler in the world mind. And if we do not watch out for him, he will slay the mind in contact with Father. An egotistical mind or a religious mindset or a religious teaching, which is ego, because it's always telling you what you can do to be better, right? Me, myself, and I, you've got to fix yourself, will slay the mind in contact. Who did Herod slay? Remember? Who did he kill? Herod. Y'all know I know it. Just tell you, John the Baptist. John the Baptist. He cut his head off, had his head cut off. Oh, yeah, Why? Well, because he was a carnally mindful man. He was seeking things of the flesh, and his wife's daughter danced a very sensual dance before him. And he was so consumed with lust, he wanted her. And he said, You can have anything you want up to the half of my kingdom. And what did she say? I want John the Baptist's head on a plate. John the Baptist's head would be one who's in contact with God. And that's what this Herod mentality wants to do in you. When you continue to dwell on carnal things and you think it's just you, yourself, and I, that, that literally severs your contact with Father God. Never God with you, but it severs your awareness with God because you're always thinking about what's going to bring you earthly pleasure. And it's, we all know that it's all a lie. I mean, I've had many things in my life that I thought, man, if I can just get this, if this can just happen, my life would be so much better. You know, when I was younger, you know, we were in our 30s or 40s. I forget how old I was when your mother passed away. But her, she left us a nice amount of money. And uh, I, it hurt to lose her. I'm, I'm not telling this story because I was so excited about getting the money. But it hurt to lose her. But we got that money. And we paid our home off, we paid our car off, we paid everything that we had off. And I was thinking, oh my gosh, I'm not gonna have to work anymore. <laughs> you know us men, Norm. <laughs> and you know, I told Donna that, or Donna probably sensed that I thought that. So she quickly goes and gets a, does some accounting and she shows me we still have homeowner's insurance, we still have taxes, we still have car insurance for both of our cars, we still have health insurance, and the list goes on and on. And she says, you have to still make about $2,700 a month. And it just popped my bubble. I'm just using that as a silly, silly example. But we really do that. <clears throat> it brings you back to reality, you know, that the things of the world are not going to be your source. Winning a lottery is not a source. <clears throat> Making a good living is not a source because everybody knows it can go away overnight. The stock market climbing really, really high is not your source. If it is your source and then it goes down like it did during this coronavirus and you get scared, what do you do? You go cash it in and you lost all that money. 
Those people that cashed that in, they didn't lose anything until they cashed it in. Now it's up, you know? And so making a carnal decision, no matter what it is, costs you. It costs you contact with Father. And it costs you all kinds of problems. And then you say, God, why are you doing this to me? <laughs> right? Why doesn't God do something for me? Well, Father, God's always doing something for you. He talks to you. He speaks to you. He sends comforter messengers to say, this is the way, walk you in it. And so we had to let go of all that other stuff. So that Herod, he's the ruler in the world mind, if you would. And if we don't watch him, he will slay the mind in contact. So we must be on guard against the subtle sense mind and take tender care of what Father speaks to us, right? And the ideal that has been born deep in our heart, uh, this would be kind of, we could say, Mary was pregnant and Mary had a baby and that baby was told by Gabriel, a messenger, that he was going to be special, that he was going to be the Messiah, that he needs to be trained properly to take him to the Essenes and keep him in contact with the Father, right? And so what, what happened? Because of this Herod carnal mindset, she had to take him into the world. She had to take him out of the religiosity, if you would. And the way I see this, and this is just me, there's a lot of people in religions today all over the world, in what we call churches, that Father has dropped in them truth. They're feeding on people like me and Kay and other ministers that's teaching truth, and they're trying to share it, but they're trying to cut that head off, the religious leaders. They're saying, you need to stay away from this. This is not true. They're trying to cut their contact off with the mind of God. And sometimes you have to leave that system and come out. And yes, that can be in your home sometimes. And it can be lonely because we're used to fellowship with the brethren, right? And I still believe in that. But there, it's, it's very difficult for people. And I, I've talked to people recently that are longing to go back. They're missing their churches. They're missing the programs. They're missing... The crowd, I'm missing that. I miss the crowd. I love preaching to the people. But those crowds out there, most of them don't want to hear what I have to say. I would love to find a church in Oklahoma City that the people are hungry and the leadership's hungry. And they say, we need a preacher that will teach, teach us what we don't know. But right now, I don't know where they're at. But so we have the gift of Internet. We have the gift of Facebook. I don't speak bad of Facebook because Facebook uh, affords us this ability that we can preach to the world. And it's awesome. But we would love to see all of you face to face. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. And so Jesus said, what I say unto you, I say unto all. He said, watch. W-A-T-C-H. Watch. Watch for what? Watch for this destroying thought which is satisfied with the old. This thought that say, well, I'm happy where I'm at. We have people that attended our fellowship for quite a while, and they went, they've gone back. And I'm not judging them, whatever, but all of a sudden they're saying, I'm happy with the ode. It doesn't require me. The truth is, when you go back to the ode, it doesn't require you to 
taste and see. It doesn't require you to study. It doesn't require you to do what Paul said, a workman that studies a word or or goes to church or whatever, needeth not be made to feel ashamed if they will study and show themselves that they're approved of God. Most people don't want to do that. They say, I don't have time. You know, I have sent books to people for several years, and I would call them later on and say, did you get to read that book? And they said, I, haven't, I don't have time yet. They just wanted the book. You know, I hope the people I send the books to read them. It's a waste of time if you just stick it in a shelf, right? You got a gold mine there, but yet you're not, you're not touching it at all. And so <clears throat> what happens is uh, this old, uh, is they're trying to carry the past conditions, the old worn out or the flesh and blood into the kingdom of God. And you cannot bring flesh and blood into the kingdom of God. Flesh to me is rules, regulations, and law. Blood to me is sacrifices, it's labor, it's, it's working. And so scripture says flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? righteousness perfection and joy and you will not experience being righteous so if you if you don't know that you're righteous you won't believe that you're perfect and you won't have any joy in that and then you fall prey to herod that's going to keep you in a place where you you can't stay in contact you don't even know that you have contact with god you're always praying to god out there or you're praying to jesus to pray for you or if you're in catholicism you're praying mary to pray to jesus to pray to god and then all the saints that you pray to. And there's a saint for everything there is. I'm not making fun of Catholics at all. All religiosity has some kind of form of idol worship. It could even be the pastor. If I could get the pastor to pray for me. It can be people. If I could get, if we, and I've seen it on Facebook. If we could get 25,000 people to pray. I got one the other day and it just broke my heart. And I wrote the woman, I said, ma'am, we don't need 25,000 people to pray all we need is people to trust in the faith of God. Just, just your, if you and your family can trust in the, put your faith in the faith of God, then you can be made every whit whole or whatever it is, whatever the situation is. So a new-minded man is necessary. A new mindful man, if you would. Uh, be ye transformed by the renewing mind. Seek intellect and wisdom and knowledge in your God mind. And guess what? The body will follow. All of it will follow. You know, what, all things that pertain to life and godliness, will, you will become aware of it. It will be your realization. Most of our realization is that I don't have enough, right? You know, Don and I, for, since 1996, Father told me, and Donna believes it, and she knows it because she's seen it, that if I would just give up everything and, give, and follow Father and allow Father to lead me and guide me, I would never lack for finances ever again. And we, we don't. It's just... It's just fabulous how it just shows up and we don't think anymore. I know you don't either, Donna. We don't think that, oh, I'm going to need, I need this much money next week. We just know it's going to be there. And I've been off work for almost four years and we don't lack for anything, do we? Not so whatsoever. But religiosity has become like a Herod. Religiosity. Unconsciously, they become like a Herod. They seek money, they seek wealth, they seek big ministries, they seek giant cathedrals, they seek crowds, right? They judge how well they're doing by the number of people that come. Like Brother Garner says, it's like collecting pop bottle tops. What are you collecting them for? I don't know, I just collect them. You know, why, why do you need 10,000 people? Why do you need 5,000 people? Are you teaching them anything? 
Are, are they living above the, the effects of carnality? Or are they are you just get, have to hire more and more counselors to help them? You know, one of my pastors years ago said the Lord told him how to get more tithes, get more people in the church and teach them the tithe. Well, that's not why we get people in the church. We get them there because we love them. We want to bless them. She, religiosity, thinks what she does is good, but literally it steals, kills, and destroys one's ability to stay in contact with Father. When you sit and you listen to a sin-conscious sermon, and, and they tell you, you know you've been eating ice cream, you know you love ice cream, and you're a sinner for that, then what do you say? Amen. Right? Let it be unto me. That's what it, amen means, let it be unto me. And so she dumbs us down and makes us feel less than Father. I'm not preaching against churches. I'm not preaching against people or pastors. I'm talking about this, this I don't even like to use the word spirit, but it's the spirit of carnality or, or this fleshly rules and regulations and, and the law that's preached. And it causes you to feel less than Father God, less than Holy Spirit. It causes you to feel less than Jesus, right? Even the doctrine of the Trinity is designed to make us feel less than. There's a family. It's a Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And we're not in it. I've studied this in my master's degree in theology. There's many people that believe that we can't touch God. We're, we're too lowly. We can't touch. We're too impure. We can't touch God. And that's why we need to pray to Jesus and, and never try to talk to God. And I'll tell you, there's very few people that even approach Father because they don't know what Father is. They don't know where Father is. They don't understand <clears throat> to the point that the scripture says we're made less than angels, right? Lower than angels. I've always wondered about that. And in chapter eight of this, a few weeks ago, I shared this. I want to share it again. What time is it? This is 11.05. <clears throat> Kay, Kay ministered for almost an hour and a half the other day, so I can. <laughs> in chapter eight of this book that I'm going to be publishing pretty quick, I explain how the King James Version was erroneously translated. And I want to share it again. Job asked, what is man that you should weave? And this is the, my translation. And it's what it says in the, in the Greek and in the Hebrew. What is man that you should weave into him and place in him your feelings, will, and intellect, the center of everything, and provide for him from his being in an instant to make him strong? Had you heard that before, Norma? Me say that? I don't recall that. Yeah. See, the King James says, made him a little lower than angels. But he said, what is man that you should weave into him and place in him your feelings, your will, and your intellect, the center of everything, that's God, and provide for him from his beginnings in an instant to make him strong. And then David <clears throat> said almost the same thing. He said, when I consider the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you should weave into him and place in him your feelings, will, and intellect, the center of everything, as a son, Adam, that you deposited yourself in him and made him just a little less than you in all your splendor, magnificence, beauty, excellence, majesty, and glory. That's what he actually said. And what that little less is, is we are not God Almighty, but we are God's Elohim. We are God's in the ordinary sense. That's what Elohim says, God's in the ordinary sense. That's us, man. So Herod, sense consciousness, rules on the plane of mortality, liable to die. I'm liable to die if I don't get enough money. 
I'm liable to die if I don't have enough food. I'm liable to die if I don't have a, a nice house to live in. I'm, and I'm one that would say I'm liable to die if I don't have a good wife because I love being married and I love my wife and nobody could replace her ever. Right? Is that that mentality? I'm liable to die if the stock market crashes. I'm liable to die if the Democrats win. Right? It's the truth. <laughs> it goes on and on and on. And, and that's that mentality. If allowed full reign, that haired mentality kills out the constant contact state of mind represented by John the Baptist, which John the Baptist was in his beginning of his ministry. He had no clue why he was taken to jail whatsoever, but he was taken to jail because they wanted to cut off his head. They wanted to, in a sense, cut off his God mind. When we get bound up in religion, which means to bind and hold back, right? Then what happens? We are put in jail and our contact is cut off. If I'm in, if I'm in jail, if I'm in prison, I'm contact, I'm, I, I have no contact with my family whatsoever. And so to me, that's really, that's what I really saw in that. So the object of the Bible lesson about Herod and his beheading of John the Baptist is to show the various steps leading up to the tragedy of sense dominion. Sense dominion. You should not hang around Herodians. Right? So, nope, unless you want your head cut off. In regeneration, there is a quickening of the whole man. The life flow is especially increased, and every function uh, connected with, with it is stimulated, if you would, when there's a flow going on. And this is represented in the lesson of Herod at the feast, in which he evidently was intoxicated, you know, and people who are naturally egotistical and domineering, they de develop these qualities to a more considerable degree. And the more there's an impulse of life flowing, the more the egotistical mind wants to step up and block it. And that's in our subconsciousness, if you would. And so unless the meek and the lowly frame of mind recommended by Jesus is adopted, people lose their heads. <laughs> they do. And they go further in their rash of egotism when, uh, than they anticipated. And that's what happened to Herod. You know, he was intoxicated and he was lusting after his wife's daughter. He wanted her and he wanted her at all cost. And he didn't realize his wife and her had a plot to get rid of John the Baptist. So <clears throat> if you're arrogant, if you're domineering, if, you're self if you have a self-sufficient will, you stand as Herod a ruler in Judea. You're married to the passions of the human soul, Herodias. She leads you into a sense of gratification so deep and so degrading that you cut off your head of John, the consciousness, if you would, that would have turned you into a highway of holiness. That's what John was there to declare and to teach people. So the reign is the sense of man is short-lived, of the sense of man is short-lived. His kingdom is taken away from him, Herod, and he's banished from his native land. What's our native land? What's our nativity? It's our father. So his awareness, if you would, was banished. 
When you're always living currently mindful, you're living in fear and doubt for your life, you're always wanting outward things to satisfy you, then you're banished from your, your contact with God. It's, I mean, it's not God doing it, it's you. You, you, you. you put your awareness on things that are carnal and things that are, there's a way that seems right to man whose breath is in his nostrils, and that way is destruction. The highway of holiness is not destruction. You know, if we get that in Isaiah 35, if you've never read it, you should read it. It says, no, no fool will err there. I mean, no matter who you are, if you get up on the highway of holiness, that, that awareness, you're, you're going to prosper in all things. So Herod been banished was the consequences of Herod's wrong choices after he beheaded John the Baptist. Thus is the fate of everyone who refuses to listen to the breath of God speaking to them. The effects of living as carnal. So we find a group of people in Jesus' name that were called the Herodians. You remember them, the Herodians? And they were another Jewish political party. They were a political party, and they favored the Romans and their rule, and they were among those who sought to entrap Jesus and to condemn Jesus. And I'm almost done here. But the Herodians symbolized thoughts that belonged to man's old established religious, religious ideas, but in character are very selfish, and very material-minded, kind of like the, the Sadducees. They were material-minded. As Herod and the Romans were, they symbolized that which actively opposes and seeks to kill out one's contact, the, the contact with Father God. They want to keep them down. They want to keep them under control. And they definitely don't want them to go hear other ministers that have greater truth. They speak against them. Right? We experienced that, didn't we? So this activity is a real history of thousands of people who are immersed in the desires of senseless and refuse to let go of carnal desire. You can let go of them. You don't have to pray and ask God to help you do it. You can just get tired of it. And you can realize that every time I go this way, it's destruction. Every time I make this wrong decision, you know, every time I go and I eat more ice cream, I gain a pound or I gain a half a pound, but I like it, Right? I enjoy it. It gives me something, huh? It makes me feel good. It makes me feel good. Mm -hmm. But the truth is, is you need more and more of it because after a while, one dip doesn't make you feel good. You want two dips. And then you complain because the dips aren't big enough. <laughs> I, I heard that from somebody else, not me. <laughs> so those who live under the law of generation, as I started out, What's, what's your generation? Well, I'm an Indian, or I'm African-American, or I'm this, or I'm that, whatever. If you live out of generation, you give up your kingdom, that kingdom, to your progeny, and you die. Never knowing who you are. Never knowing that you're one. Never seeing everybody else that they're one. And that's where we're at in America right now, and I guess the rest of the world. I've said this, if you're watching any TV, any movies, any documentaries, they're bringing up all the old stuff. We watched a war movie the other day back in, uh, in, 19, in the 50s when uh, they were bombing Hiroshima and the, the ship that took the, the bomb over and they didn't know they were taking it over there. It was filled with racism and it would make, it would make uh, African-American people mad. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to stir people up. But un unless you guys don't know it, they're also trying to stir us that are not racist and make us racist mm -hmm. because we're mad, we're tired of seeing and destroy 
our cities and all this stuff that's going on. And it's not just black people, it's white people too, but they're focusing on the black people. The, the, the African-Americans, they're folk, there's a reason they're doing that because they're turning whites against blacks and blacks against whites and they're turning the youth against the old. And it's really bad. And, it's, and that's, that's this mentality that's going on on the earth today. So those who come out of this, this world of this cosmos living conserve their substance and they, con they convert it through thought to spiritual energy, which is the very foundation of being a supernatural spirit. And I believe we can come up with answers that's going to stop all this stuff. I believe there's a people still in the earth. God has a people that, that is rising up. And I, I believe, I'm not saying things can't get worse in America or the world, but I do believe, as the Bible says, the whole earth is filled with God's glory. And they're going to come forth. So through this conversation and control of the divine life and substance, they finally attain the kingdom of God. They sit, if you were, at the right hand of God or the right mind. They stay in contact with God. Set means at rest. So they're in rest in the right mind, the mind of God. This work is not accomplished, though, by outside work. It's a work that goes on in the individual. I can't do it for you. I can just teach you. You're the one that has to let it be. I can't tell you that you are a daughter of God. Well, I mean, I can't make you that. I can tell you that, but you have to say, I don't quite understand, but let it be unto me. Yeah. We, need to, we all need to say that. So in the regeneration truth, which symbolizes by Paul in uh, Acts 21, 13, Acts 22, 1, Paul visits the temple and he goes in and he, he, he begins to speak and he begins to teach them and it begins to upset the Pharisees and the Sadducees. You know, he said, men and brethren and fathers, hear ye my defense, which I make known unto you. And he begins to talk to him about what their fathers did and everything and about Jesus. He, but he said, I'm ready to not only be bound, but I'm, I'm also ready to die for, for, for the name or the nature of Jesus Christ. And what happens, truth finds its very center of religious thoughts. Truth comes into our religious thoughts and the temple, which give, is given over to bigotry and intolerance and literally comes into it, and they want to, that, that temple wants to cast it out and reject it. And that's what they did to Paul. They, they came out, they began to talk to the people, and they said, Paul's in here speaking against the law. Paul's in here speaking against us and all that. And the people grabbed Paul and took him out and cast him out into the street, and they slammed the doors of the temple shut. And that's what happens up here in our conscious awareness that sometimes is filled with a lot of carnality. The truth comes and we reject it. We don't want it because we're happy with what we've been doing all our life and we shut the door and we won't let truth come in. And there's a lot of people like that. I don't want to be one like that. We all want truth. Truth comes from our Father. It's, it's, it's presented to us and we must embrace it. Can you take just a little bit more? I'm almost done. Okay. So <clears throat> the Jews were taught. Mm -hmm. Huh? They were a captive audience. <laughs> captive audience. Yeah. The Jews were yeah. taught that they were the chosen people and that all other people were barbarians. Right? right? They talked about the Greeks like they were dogs. And that's the foundation of the caste system. C-A-S-T, the caste system. People are talking about that today. 
Islam teaches the same, and many Christian denominations teach the very same thing. What's that? Huh? The caste system, race system, or or you know, or denomination. Like like there's a sect, there's a part of the uh, the Church of Christ that says if you're not Church of Christ, you're going to hell. And there's there's a there's churches out there that say King James Version only, and if you don't read from the King James Version, you're going to hell. That's a caste system. And then there's the black and, and the white, and there's all kinds of stuff like that. And so it's in denominations. So when man begins in thought to believe himself better than other men, he makes a place in his body that is the dwelling place of a thought of superiority. And we see that with wealth. Wealth is a caste system. Not everybody that's wealthy is that way, but wealth can make you to the point that you look down at people. How many movies have you seen where these high-end stores that fancy women's clothes and stuff, and some young girl walks in that just doesn't fit your caste? And they don't want to sell. Yeah, they just mock at them, and they don't want to get clothes on them for them. And they, in their head, you can't afford this. I'm better than you. We've seen that not too long ago on TV, didn't we? So they believe themselves to be superior. Next, this separation extends to the environment and it even affects the environment. Separation in a physical sense follows them. And then we become separate. What's happened in the United States? They're dividing because of the caste system. Temples are built with partitions, if you would. And whoever dares to transgress those walls, they meet opposition that you can't even walk in. There's, there's places in America that Islam has taken over. And if a white person tries to step into uh, one of the temples, they won't let you in. And back in the days when there was a lot of racism going on, there's white churches and there's black churches. There's white water fountains and there were black water fountains. We watched the, this show the, yesterday, this uh, uh, Navy show, and where they went to see the movies, the, the, the Navy guys, and they panned up there and in the, in the balcony was the black people, all the white people down here. That's not us doing that to each other. That's a system. It's a caste system that's designed to keep us separate. Because if they can keep us separate unconsciously to them, then we don't realize that we are one body. We are son of God. We are daughter of God. And so when the living word of truth comes to one who is in this fixed state of mind, if you would, there is an upheaval in the temple. Fear that... Uh, that the rights and customs of the church will be interfered with. And that's what happens in a lot of churches. You have, you have somebody in there that's waking up and hearing truth and they try to share it. And the leaders begin to think they're rocking my boat. That's what they did to Jesus. And they begin to speak bad of them. It happened to me, the church I grew up in. Even when I wasn't teaching what I'm teaching now, but I was teaching a greater understanding of what we would call penal substitution, but yet the leadership began to speak against me because crowds were starting to come. That's what happened to Jesus, isn't it? That's what happened to Paul. So the teachings of those in authority and the traditions and beliefs of the past are more weight than reason and logic. Well, this is the way it's always been done. We don't want to hear your truth. It's always been done this way. So innovation and methods of thoughts is resisted then, and the whole religious nature is moved. The thoughts runs to meet thought and concentration, uh, concentration and resistance is set up and truth is thrown right out the door as Paul was. Paul was the spirit of truth. 
He was a comforter messenger and he was the spirit of truth and he was there to teach a truth that would make those people free to be able to enjoy their father and they kicked him out the door and they accused him of breaking their laws. And that's what happens to comforter messengers today in many areas. There are people out there that speak against me. There are people that speak against Kay. There are people that speak against other people. You don't want to hear them. You don't want to have them in your church. That's the same thing. It's no different than the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Herodians kicking Jesus out of this temple. They wanted to kill him. But don't you think they're trying to protect their church from... They're trying to protect their control. They, they, right. they accused him of preaching against the law. He was. He was teaching against the law. He was teaching against the law of doing to be. He told the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Herodians that you, you, you aren't for the people. It's you, you're, you have a love for money. You have love for control. You're not representing Father God. And they didn't want to hear that. You, you, you take somebody like me to go into a big denomination and I go in and tell them that, that you're not preaching the truth. You don't think they would motion for the ushers and I would be out and the doors would be slammed? Well, My, well, I have a past... Yeah, they're off the degree. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. I have a pastor friend that several years ago asked me to send him the six steps of the throne, which was penal substitution. And he really liked it. And he took off to a state and he had a big opening with a denomination. He was teaching the church. He started teaching just that penal substitution, but he was preaching that every th everybody was involved in what Jesus did. Well, actually, everybody's involved in what God said. But he got kicked out. All the doors got shut, and he didn't, didn't get to go preach there anymore. But he probably went in a wrong way. He went to set them straight, and you can't do it that way. You know? So, what happened, it says in Acts 21.30, it says, and all the city was moved by what the Pharisees said to them, and the Herodians and all of them, and the people ran together, and they took Paul they drew him out of the temple and forthwith the door was shut. That was Acts 21.30. The door was shut. So many people wonder why they do not develop divine love more quickly. They, here's the reason. They make a wall of separation between the Jews and the Gentiles, between the black and the white, between the male and the female, between other, uh, other religions, between good and bad. And when you do that, you make a difference. You're not loving. And yet people do that. Father is love. And when we let love into our heart, we pull down the walls of separation. And we still see them as our brothers and sisters, even though they're doing horrible things. We don't have to allow people to do horrible things. I believe there's a, there's a system in the earth that's set up. To, there is a law that's needed right now. But we still must fight the good fight of faith, which is God's faith that those people are still son of God and they're our brothers and our sisters. They're just religiously messed up or in their awareness, even in church and out of church, both. And so we feel the flow of infinite love flowing through us. So in closing, we are the new Jerusalem of Revelation 21.2, which is a spiritual consciousness. We're living as holy breath. New Jerusalem is founded on 12 fundamental ideas of our divine mind. What is Jerusalem? Anybody remember what Jerusalem means? It's the habitation of what? Peace, right? And peace means perfection. 
So we are New Jerusalem. We are the habitation of perfection. We are perfect in every way. So it is the abiding consciousness of spiritual perfection. When we go deep within, then we experience stillness. When we go deep within, we live beyond physical expression. It, it is the perfection and the peace of our Father which passes all carnal understanding, which is Philippians 4.17. In other words, a man whose breath is in his nostrils and the sense realm, they cannot understand peace. How can you be at peace in all this? How can you believe that you're perfect and everything's going to be okay in the midst of all this? Because I'm keeping my mind or my brain, my conscious awareness in contact with Father. Right? Because He is our perfection. When, when, when were we made perfect? Before the foundation of the world. So in the second volume of this book, because I'm going to publish this book pretty soon. I'm done with this one and I'm going to start on another one. I want to start out with teaching the symbolism of our divine mind and the code that we must use to discover how to release the supernatural power of holy breath in full union with our Father. And we will learn of 12 fundamental ideas of the divine mind that empower us to live as the habitation of peace or the habitation of perfection that we are. We want to bring out these ideals that Jesus taught and that Paul explained in our lives. If they're ours now, I want it now, don't you? I want to, I want to be the ideal that God saw. And I am, but I want to become a reality for me. And I want, when I've come into contact with other people, I want them to feel like they have come into contact with Father. Amen? So I hope you guys enjoy this. I'm sorry I went over a little bit. Well, I'm not sorry, but uh, most of you stayed here watching and if you didn't get to see it all, I hope you come back and pay attention to the rest of it. So, love you guys very much. As I announced, Wendy Holder King won uh, the book, the two books, Living Out of Our Spiritual Resources. I'll be mailing the, those to her tomorrow. And I'm going to do something funny. Those of you that are watching right now, the first two that calls in at 405-204-0713, I'll send you the two books too here in the United States of America. The first two that calls in just a minute, because i got to get off the phone, 405-204-0713. I love you all. Bye-bye.